Before we get underway, I'd also like to remind everyone that Ambassador Dewar will take questions after his speech. Ladies and gentlemen, Ambassador Gary Dewar is Canada's 23rd representative to the United States of America. Handpicked by Prime Minister Stephen Harper, Mr. Dewar assumed office one year and one day uh, ago and presented his credentials to President Obama on November 4, 2009. As Canada's ambassador to the U.S., Mr. Dewar follows in the footsteps of such household names as Vincent Massey, after whom are named the University of Toronto's Massey College and the prestigious Massey Lectures, Lester B. Pearson, who would later become Canada's 14th Prime Minister, and Alan Gottlieb, whose accomplishments are too numerous to mention and whose book is reportedly a great read. Ambassador Dewar is a booster of all things Canadian. Upon arriving in Washington, he wasted no time in shining the spotlight on one of Canada's greatest feats of this millennium, the Vancouver Olympic Games. Also, I hear his Canada Day party was the hottest ticket in town. In addition to promoting Canadian culture, Ambassador Dewar is well known for taking a strong stand on issues of trade, border security, energy policy, and other matters of critical importance to our long-standing relationship with America. His experience in these areas was hard won. Prior to his current role, he was a member of the Legislative Assembly of Manitoba for 23 years, the last 10 years as Premier of Manitoba. In 1999, Mr. Dewar's NDPs ended the PC's 11-year leadership reign in that province and went on to win another two successive elections. They are perhaps best known for their track record of balanced budgets, tax cuts, public health care investment, and environmental protection. Ambassador Dewar is well missed in his hometown of Winnipeg. That said, I'm sure it's as clear to Manitobans as it is to all Canadians that our re relationship with our neighbours to the south has seldom been as important as it is now. Given the state of the economy, the war in Afghanistan, the partisan battles on both sides of the border, and some very tough energy policy decisions. If we ever needed good men and women in Washington, we certainly need them now. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Ambassador Gary Dewar. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Thank you very much for that very kind introduction. Thank you to all of you for uh, joining me uh, today at lunch. Uh, it's indeed an honor to have the TD Bank uh, uh, sponsor uh, this event. Uh, if you have been to the United States recently, you will note that TD is on every street corner. Uh, it's my goal, of course, uh, and don't tell Bank of America, but it's my goal to get TD as part of the Embassy Bank and get Tim Hortons into the Embassy. So uh, <laughs> we got to have, I'll be, if there's anybody else from another coffee company, I apologize. It's uh, my friend Billy Moyer is, uh, is uh, involved in uh, Tim Hortons, and uh, I have to say that on his behalf, otherwise I'd be in real trouble. Uh, it is... Uh, it's been an interesting year and a day. I didn't know the timing of that. I actually felt like I, I, I stopped, stepped down as Premier after meeting uh, Ambassador Jacobson on the train in Western uh, Canada, Western Manitoba. The night I stepped down, I flew to Washington and my successor was, was taking over. And 
And I can tell you with the good work he's doing in Manitoba, I am not missed. And I, I want to make that very, very clear. But it's certainly uh, been an interesting 12 months. Uh, and uh, certainly uh, I've really enjoyed it. But I had read the book from Alan Gottlieb before I got down there. Uh, it's a great book. Uh, he's had more parties than I've had, so I want to acknowledge his, his, uh, his ability to uh, provide outreach. And uh, certainly it's also interesting on the economic front uh, to look at uh, the fact that the unemployment rate, when he was dealing with some of the measures in the Congress, the Senate, and the administration, uh, was 11% in Canada, and it was 7.5%, uh, I think was the number Alan used in his book, uh, uh, in, in, in the U.S. And now we have a situation when we're dealing with economic issues where it's just bumping on to 8% in Canada and it's over 9.5% in the United States. So it's a, an interesting different dynamic that we're dealing with and I'll come to that in a few moments. It is a, a great place to work. The, the topic is uh, the view from Pennsylvania Avenue. Alan and all the others that had the vision to take that, I believe it was a gas station on that site at one time, and transform that into the best embassy in the world, the best embassy in Washington, should be very, very proud. And for all of you who visit there, you will be very, very proud at Canada's presence on Pennsylvania Avenue. We're strategically placed between the White House and the Congress, and uh, all they have to do is to listen to our advice on how they can move forward in the United States in a very successful and constructive way. Uh, that, that's... I, uh, you should know that, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting because the Maple Leafs are winning. Brian Burke has been at the embassy. Congratulations to the Toronto Maple Leaf fans. I remember meeting Don Newman after I almost got killed running to the uh, Unimic uh, when the Premiers were meeting in Vancouver. You know, we used to have to race between, you had to race Brian Tobin and Roy Romano to get to the Unimic first with Don Newman. Uh, it was dangerous, we should have worn hockey pads, but I remember him in the bar lamenting a loss to the Canucks. I think the Leaf fans are very, very happy right now, and you should know Brian Burke does visit the embassy, does take a lot of interest in uh, the affairs, Canada-US affairs, and. Uh, uh, the Leafs were in town last year. He was there on the roof getting the, the appropriate pitcher. Uh, he also warned me that they had a really good goalie playing for the U.S. team. God, did they ever. Uh, he, I mean, they almost beat us uh, there. It was very, very exciting. And uh, when it was mentioned about the Olympics, we did host a 1,000 people for the opening of the Olympics. We, host, we had poutine and beer. We hosted, <laughs> we hosted the women's gold medal game. We knew our Canadian women were going to be playing the United States during that hockey game on the Thursday night. And then we took a chance and rolled the dice to host the gold medal game before Canada got into the gold medal game at the embassy. We had a thousand people there again. 800 of them were Americans uh, doing our outreach, of course. A couple of hundred Canadians. And uh, we were pretty darn happy when God ruled appropriately and Canada won that gold medal. So we, uh, we, we were pretty happy. Now, the Americans were also had a great set of Olympics. They, they won the most medals of any other country, and there was a lot of coverage. Tom Brokaw was not always seen by you in Canada, but his piece in NBC was uh, better than any ambassador can give it a speech at any moment in terms of uh, Canada-U.S. relations, and it was watched by a lot of people. 
And really, the Olympics did put the fun back in the, uh, in the Olympic Games. So we've had a lot of good coverage uh, in the United States of Canada. It was a very, the Olympics were very successful in the United States. A lot of people watched them. Uh, the financial sector here with its stability is getting a lot of very, very positive press in the United States. And uh, in terms of the Olympics, it's also an opportunity to thank uh, the men and women at NORAD because a lot of Canadians don't know this, but the perimeter security for the Olympics was conducted out of Colorado Springs. And whether it was the air perimeter or the sea perimeter or the land initial perimeter security, it was provided out of NORAD with Canadian and US military personnel working with the RCMP and other personnel in the Vancouver Whistler area. And it's very important to mention that to the United States and, and to Canadians that this work for over 52 years between Canada and the United States to keep our citizens safe, the cooperation that we have is the vision that we have in terms of dealing with security issues that we are confronted with on either side of our border morning, noon, and night. And I think it's very important to point a tangible example uh, to Canadians and a tangible example to the United States of what works best. I would say as a new ambassador, they're, they're, we're constantly dealing with a couple of challenges on security. You just heard a candidate for the Senate in Nevada make a comment about the porous Canadian border. Uh, that's when she was confronted uh, about, about the immigration policies that she would support in that Nevada race. And I, I think it's really important to point out two facts that we have to deal with. On the U.S. side, every 12 months, every 15 months, somebody running for office or somebody in high office points out that the terrorists of 9-11 came across from Canada to New York, Pennsylvania, and Washington. And of course, uh, the commission that was conducted in the 9-11 Commission and the Congressional uh, Senate Committee both said clearly that visas were issued by the United States. There were no terrorists that came in from Canada. There was no connection uh, to Canada of that event. But every once in a while, we have to deal with that factual error. And here we have a, a state of Nevada that gets 1.3 million Canadians going to Nevada. I don't know why they go to Nevada. Apparently there's gambling in Nevada. But they, 1.3 million people going there, and we're trying to make that economic argument with the people in Nevada, as well as the argument about get your facts right before uh, you make a statement. The other issue we've got to deal with uh, is, is you know, on the Canadian side. It is sometimes a nostalgic view of most of us that we could go across the border 10 times a day and not worry about it. It is not a human right to cross a border. And when the government is working on protocols on security and trying to work on protocols to get greater efficiency as part of that security, and we are working hard to tighten up on both sides the information we're sharing about risks on either side of the border, not just international risks, but radical risks in our own countries, it is really important to point out that it is not a human right to cross a border. You're asking to go into somebody else's home, if you will, and we have to, I think, support the government of the day uh, in terms of developing these protocols and not act as if we're back in the 1950s uh, on uh, security and, and border. Uh, we are definitely in a new era before 9-11, uh, certainly after 9-11, and it's very, very important to get it right in terms of the information we share 
and the protocols we have to make sure there's no gaps. And that's really important for your businesses as well. Because if something happens in a weakness on the Canadian side, with over 30% of our GDP tied with trade with the United States, something happens, there will be an overreaction uh, in the United States or a legitimate reaction in the United States in terms of the safety of their citizens, and that will have a dramatic impact on your business, on your trade, and our jobs here in Canada. So that's why we're working to go back to that NORAD cooperative vision and try to get a document between our countries that deals with risk, with protocols, with has a vision that builds upon the success of NORAD and allows us to not only talk about security but talk about efficiency so that we can also talk about the economy. Because just after, you know, just to deal only with security, security, security doesn't deal with the economy and jobs as part of that uh, piece that's so very, very important. Now, part of the efficiency is transportation and infrastructure. And I want to mention to this Ontario group, the former Ambassador Kurgan, who's working with Ontario, and Paul knows this firsthand, we are working to try to get the Detroit River International Crossing approved uh, between Canada and the United States. In fact, we have an agreement with Ray LaHood in the United States. We have an agreement from the Governor of Michigan. We have agreement from the Chamber of Commerce in Detroit and in Windsor. We have an agreement between the unions in Detroit and in Windsor and the building trades in both sides of the border. We have agreement with the federal government and the provincial government. We have agreement to build the Customs Plaza and we still can't get a couple of senators in the Michigan House to vote for it, even though Canada is going to finance, it'll be user pay of course, we wouldn't finance it with debt, finance the, uh, the bridge uh, to, to have this uh, transportation infrastructure put in place. So we're working with our friends in Michigan. Uh, we're doing a lot of lifting on the Canadian side. Uh, in Ontario, certainly Dalton McGinty, Premier McGinty and others have spoken very clearly to their American friends, both when the governors were meeting with the premiers in February and, and subsequent to that, and it's an extremely important issue. As I said, security and trade go together in terms of getting it right, and we can't get it right on the security side. It will have an impact, and it's already having an impact on the trade side. There are other policies in the United States that are also important on trade. It's Small Business Week. And I believe that 73% of Canadian companies doing trade in the United States have less than 50 employees. So that when we're dealing with Buy America, uh, and it is popular to say Buy America, uh, it's popular to say Buy Canada, uh, it's harder to talk about Buy America with three sentences than it is with one slogan. But what we're trying to do is say Buy America is closed America, and closed America is less jobs America, and that's why we have to keep the supply uh, chains open, and that's why we have to have, in this case, waivers for Canada, uh, for Canadian business, and waivers uh, that are very, very important for all businesses in our country. In the longer term, we need to negotiate longer term agreements on procurement at the state and provincial levels, uh, so that we're not dealing with trying to put the toothpaste back in the tube after it's got out, and that is very, very important for both our countries. Another issue for small business and all businesses is another bill in the, uh, in the U.S. Congress to have, uh, I think it's called the, the, the uh, Federal, federal uh, Manufacturers Legal uh, Accountability Act. What it means is you've got to hire an agent 
in United States if you're shipping to United States. And we've already had Supreme Court decisions implementing any ruling in the United States in terms of accountability for Canadian companies. We've already had that years ago. So this bill is redundant for Canadian companies, redundant for Canadian business, redundant for Canadian trade, and will really be hurtful for small business because they don't define what small business is under the Act. Uh, we're doing everything we can to stop more red tape, more speed bumps in the way of trade. That bill is in a state of suspended animation uh, with the midterm elections. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen in the period after November 2nd, uh, what, before the uh, new swearing in of the new people that are elected on November 2nd, but it's really important we try to, st we're going to stop that bill and we have to stop that bill or get it some uh, uh, treatment of Canada that appreciates our system of law. We, we do have a system of law here. We don't need another system of law uh, according to the United States. In terms of other leg legislation that may be of importance to you, the Waxman-Markey bill was passed 18 months ago uh, with cap and trade. Uh, it was my advice to the government and my advice to premiers that there will be no cap and trade in any Senate bill. I think I uh, suggested that last a year ago. Uh, first of all, there are people against climate change strategies in the United States. And secondly, the word trade, with what happened on Wall Street, is a very diminished institutions as part of the political debate in the United States. Uh, there may be a bill on renewable energy in the United States uh, in the so-called uh, lame duck session. Uh, and there may be a bill that includes higher penalties for companies with offshore drilling, much higher penalties to deal with the Gulf oil spill. But beyond that, uh, they are not going to implement the Waxman-Markey bill, and they're not going to implement a cap-and-trade system in, in the United States uh, in the short term, even though both President Obama as candidate Obama and John McCain as candidate McCain both campaigned for cap-and-trade against the carbon tax. Uh, so things are interesting two years later. Uh, on, the, uh, on energy, Canada and the United States is continuing to work together with the agreement the Prime Minister and the, uh, uh, the President had on the Clean Energy Dialogue. Uh, we supported uh, the measures to have a new international agreement to deal with the fact that so many covers were not, uh, countries were not covered by Kyoto. In Copenhagen, we supported the 17% reduction uh, by 2020 over 2005. It's the same target. If you look at acid rain, we had the same harmonized environmental uh, proposals. I know the former ambassador spent a lot of time and work getting that. If you look at the Montreal Protocol on ozone depleting materials, again, we had a harmonized agreement. If you look at the auto industry, where a car goes back and forth six times, Ontario, Michigan, it makes sense to have a light vehicle emission standard to be harmonized between Canada and the United States in terms of the economy and the ecology and environment that we're working under. We're working on ocean vessels. We're working on other issues of environmental reductions of uh, greenhouse gases, and it's going to continue to be uh, a work of action, a work of opportunity, and sometimes a work of liability. Uh, I know when I was Premier of Manitoba, I went with the lower emission standards for bus manufacturing plants uh, as part of the condition of providing financing for a flyer bus. And, and one of the reasons was that they actually, California bought more buses than all of Canada. Well, 
a good economic policy on the borrowing with conditions in the environment has meant that this company has an order book that's completely full because uh, you can't go down New York or Washington without seeing a TD bank or a flyer bus that is uh, now in operation uh, in those cities because of the lower emissions. What does this mean in terms of Canada-US agreements? Well, we're not the same in some areas of the environment. Uh, coal is a challenge in Canada, and Ontario uh, is ex uh, eliminating uh, their coal plants uh, by 2014. Uh, there's a lot of debate, uh, particularly in the Canadian media, about the oil sands. The oil sands and coal is an interesting, uh, it's interesting to contrast the challenges. Coal in the United States has 60 times greater emissions of GHGs than the oil sands in Canada. 60 times. And you don't hear that as much in Washington because the coal lobby is huge in the American political system. And so, you know, it's a small lobby. Don Newman ran a great forum down in Washington last June. We were talking about holier than thou. Don't be holier than thou. I, my address was to Podesta in terms of being holier than thou. Uh, and then he proceeded to be holier than thou. But that doesn't matter. That's part of the job. Uh, but it's certainly a challenge. Now, you should know that the opponents of oil sands, uh, some of them are against all fossil fuels. I remember a Hollywood actress in Copenhagen said she had weaned herself completely off of all of fossil fuels as part of the solution to the world's problems, which begs the question, how far a kayak ride was it from Hollywood to Copenhagen? <laughs> but uh, you, nobody else challenged a beautiful Hollywood actress, and, and I certainly didn't. But, the, uh, but dealing with... Uh, the oil sands, there are people that are using what I call frozen facts. They're talking about uh, water being 10 to 1 uh, water to oil. It's down to under 2 now for the new projects. It's actually lower than ethanol, which is 3.8 uh, to 1 in, in, uh, in the heartland of the United States. They talk about trees, but they don't talk about the fact that Canada has set aside, including Ontario, more of the boreal forest than the size of France. And people, invite again, talk about uh, emissions, uh, the industry has reduced emissions by 40% on an intensity basis. Having said that, we have to continue to work at improving the sustainability of the oil sands and improving the perception of the sustainability of these oil sands uh, in an environment where people, uh, where we relied in the past on energy security because it's obvious that it's better to get oil from Canada than from the Middle East or as the governor of um, Montana said more appropriately, I don't send my National Guard to uh, Fort McMurray or Edmonton, I send them to the Middle East where their life is at risk. And it makes more sense with that argument on energy security. But we have to continue to demonstrate our bona fides on uh, sustainability and certainly that's the message we have. Finally, on water, uh, we're working hard on Great Lakes and, and many water projects, Pascamaquoddy, the Lake Champlain, the Great Lakes, uh, the St. Lawrence Seaway, Devil's Lake, Missouri River, Flathead, Columbia River. Uh, but on the Great Lakes, we're spending a lot of time on the Asian carp. Uh, both Canada and the United States are working hard on that project. It's a good example of why you shouldn't put alien species into any lakes, um, it's, uh, whether it's in Canada or in the United States. If you put a one-eyed cyclop fish in a lake, you've got to worry about where it's eventually going to go. And we've done that in Canada. It's certainly a problem in the United States. And uh, it's a problem for us. And the United States is building its third electrical barrier to stop the Asian carp. They're spending a lot of money, putting a lot of effort in. 
We're cooperating with their scientists to make sure that happens. Uh, they're building uh, dikes to protect water from the spring flood season going into these little creeks and with Asian carp and coming up into uh, the Great Lakes. Uh, there's no such thing as 0% risk, uh, but obviously I think the U.S. Corps of Engineers and Canadian scientists are working a lot together on keeping our water clean here in the Great Lakes and keeping the fish that we have, the species that we have in those lakes uh, whole as opposed to what may happen with that risk. So in conclusion, um, my job is to make sure the water is clean coming from the United States heading north uh, and the trade uh, and security heading north and south is secure. It's been a great place to work. It's a great honor to represent Canada. I stand on the shoulders of great ambassadors, but uh, the best ambassadors are every business, every person, every, uh, every transaction, every visit that takes place between our two countries. And whether it's winning the gold medal in hockey or just having a beer with your neighbor, that's the best way to proceed on Canada-US relations. So thank you very much for making it very, very fun. Thank you. Now I'm open, open for questions or open for advice. I know I went a little longer, but so much to cover. Yes, anybody got a question or any advice? Here you go. Yeah, okay. Hi. Um, regarding the energy security, um, I, I had a chance to meet Tom Ridge in yes. Ottawa last year. And he talked a lot about that very topic. My question is twofold. One, are you working with guys like a Tom Ridge that you know, has his own consulting company and, and like other organizations like his? Um, because he seemed to be very interested about the, the, the tar sands as well. Well, I, I know uh, former Governor Ridge, and, and I knew him when he was Homeland Security Secretary. Uh, he, was, he had a great relationship with uh, John Manley. Uh, and of course now, uh, when John Manley gets to Washington, I make sure Tom Ridge and others are invited to, uh, to, to a meeting or, or dinner. Uh, so we can continue that dialogue. So yes, we are working uh, uh, with Governor Ridge. Uh, he is a very, very good person for Canada. Uh, he has a great awareness of a lot of issues that are important to us. And uh, he's very influential in the, obviously in the, in the Republican Party, but I actually think he's one of these people that across the aisle, as they say, is respected by all, uh, all political parties and political figures in Washington. So yeah, we've had a lot of contact with him. And we have a great contact with our former Deputy Prime Minister uh, with Tom Ridge because they worked together uh, post 9-11 on many of the uh, issues that we're trying to confront. So what, what can businesses do to help support What we need businesses to do is anytime you are buying supplies from an American company in an American congressional district, to let them know the congressional representatives, how many jobs that creates, and what activity you have. The more we can get to the 435 people in their districts and the 100 senators in their states with American knowledge of in, uh, supplies that we buy, investments with the, we make, jobs that we create, the more we can do that, the less problem we're going to have when we get up to the hill. A lot of times when you go to the hill, after something is introduced or implemented that you don't like, it's almost too late. You have a nice meeting, 
It's a friendly meeting, uh, but it isn't an effective meeting in terms of results. The results, it's not always the case, because something, sometimes you can provide information that wasn't readily available, and as the Ambassador Gottlieb has pointed out and others, you're not, you're not, you can't work on friendship, you've got to work on mutual interest. And, and that is really, really important. And the best case of mutual interest is jobs in the district. Uh, and that's why any businesses that are buying goods from any American company, ring up the congressional representative, let them know what you're doing. They do care in their own district about the jobs you're creating. We're going to try to formalize that a little more in the embassy after the um, November 2nd election to try to get more business outreach so we don't have a congressional district in Walhalla, North Dakota, well, there's only one congressional rep that uh, deals with um, business outreach for Canada, and so we can talk about all Canadian trade with the one Canadian businesses buying goods from a congressional district. So that's, what, that's my ask. Uh, Ambassador Dewar, um, I was very encouraged by your perspective on where Canadian-American relations stand now. I'm wondering if you could give us your views on um, how the fall congressional elections and in particular perhaps the Tea Party phenomenon is going to impact on those relations going forward and on your job in Washington. Well, I, I'm not allowed to make, as an ambassador and being a diplomat now, I, I cannot make any predictions uh, about what's going to happen on November 2nd, but there will be, uh, uh, there will be changes in seats uh, in the Congress. There's a, there's a bold prediction. <laughs> Really, not the limb on that one. <laughs> and there will be changes in the seats in the Senate. And uh, uh, so that will have an impact. And who is making up some of those seats? I said to somebody the other day, in some cases, it's not your grandfather's uh, Buick. I mean, it's a different, there's the Republicans in some case, and Democrats in some case are not the same as they, what they were in the past. And the other thing that's going on beyond what's going to happen on November 2nd is Washington almost empties out on, on Thursday night because, I mean, John McCain was the candidate for president, a war hero, and he spent six months and $20 million maintaining the nomination for the Senate, uh, Senate in, in Arizona. And that's happening on the Democratic side and it's happening on the Republican side. So the people are spending a lot of time being challenged. Uh, two years ago, you would have thought Charlie Crisp was going to be the natural Republican nominee as the former a Republican governor of, of Florida, or existing governor of Florida. But that, those things are changed. So I think that's, that dynamic is one that's real, uh, whether it's uh, the left arguing that the left is not trice dipped in the vat of purity, and the right arguing that the right has not been trice dipped in the vat of ideological purity, as according to the person who's running against them. So I think that dynamic has changed. Uh, but on November the 3rd, I'm going to make another bold prediction. President Obama will still be President Obama, and we will still be dealing with the cabinet, and in terms of Canada-US relations, a lot of issues that are dealing with your businesses will be dealt with by the administration and the cabinet. Uh, David Jacobson, the great ambassador for the United States, will still be the ambassador, and uh, we'll get up in the morning, write our reports, send them by carrier pigeon to Ottawa, and then get on with working with whoever they elect, but also knowing that we're dealing with the existing president. Advice? Questions? Don't forget when I was in politics, they never call a question or they never called they never called an answer period. That it was it was question period. Okay. 
Hello, Ambassador. Yes. My name is Anthony Nair, and I'm a student at Ryerson. Um, I'm taking international relations. Uh, my question to you is, you didn't touch on this in your speech, which was excellent, by the way. Um, the war in Afghanistan is Canada will, will be pulling out, as stated, at the end of 2011. Um, Miss, uh, Miss Clinton came to Canada a while ago and said that she had an expressed interest in Canada remaining there because of the effectiveness of our combatants there. Is there pressure in the United States? Are they still putting pressure perhaps on you to have some kind of force remain there? Or what's the situation in the United States on in terms of the Canadian forces remaining there? Well, people in the United States at all levels appreciate the tremendous sacrifice and contributions of the Canadian military in Afghanistan and the tremendous work that is being provided by Canadians, the RCMP with the police forces, uh, the prison staff with the prison staff of Afghanistan, CETA, building, rebuilding dams, trying to develop agriculture in Afghanistan. It's interesting in Canada, uh, every three months we have a report uh, that's provided publicly on how many nurses are trained, how many doctors, how many teachers are trained, how many classrooms are built, how many water projects are completed, and that doesn't make the news. All the work that goes on, it's, it's unfortunately casualties uh, in the war, it's treatment of prisoners, and when we're getting out. And what we're doing to build the country doesn't get a lot of coverage. Uh, having said that, uh, the people in Washington respect the fact that it's a parliamentary resolution. It's been passed by parliament. And they understand that that is binding on the government. And uh, certainly they're looking at, you know, having RCMP expertise still there. But the resolution talks about the combat role in July re being reduced and then the uh, and then the combat role being over at the end of July, uh, January, or end of December 2011. Uh, the United States will be reviewing what they're doing on Afghanistan in July of 2011. The same time is actually Canada is starting to reduce its military combat personnel. And I say combat. Uh, I still think there'll be a, perhaps a larger domestic debate uh, after uh, November 2nd. I'm not sure, but it's... it's uh, a debate in progress south uh, as well as a, a parliamentary resolution north. Okay, thank you very much. Merci beaucoup. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ambassador Dewar. I'd like to welcome uh, Dr. Paul Genet to the podium. Uh, Paul is the director of the Canadian Club of Toronto to, uh, to thank our speaker. Thank you very much, and thanks, Nick. Ambassador Dewar, on behalf of the Canadian Club, let me say a very big thank you so much for joining us today and for that eloquent and perceptive speech and your very direct answers to our questions. Merci pour cet excellent discours, éloquent et persuasive. You know, when you were named Canada's ambassador to the United States, Canada's most important diplomatic postings, Canadians felt that you represented an enlightened and inspired choice. Your work to date and your thoughtful, energetic comments today only reinforce that impression. 
As noted, when you were Premier, you demonstrated a commitment to fiscal discipline, balancing Manitoba's budget in each of your 10 years in office, and at the same time, you showed a profound commitment to forward-looking and progressive policies, including striving to ensure a sustainable future for our planet. Indeed, Business Week magazine declared you one of the top 20 leaders in the world on climate change when you were Premier. You are bringing that balanced perspective and leadership to Washington. We recognize and appreciate it. And I must say, your cheerful, down-to-earth and positive outlook, the great pride you take in being Canadian, your enthusiasm for the Leafs, and... <laughs> <laughs> and for Canadian athletes in general. Uh, and for beer, clearly, uh, <laughs> equip you wonderfully for the vital job of building and strengthening relationships with our most important friend and partner. Through your skilled advocacy, you're piling up important accomplishments for Ontario and for Canada. But there is, of course, lots left to do. We know you're a proud Manitoban and a big fan of its great rock legends. So we really want to thank you again for, so effectively, in the words of Bachman Turner Overdrive, taking care of business and working overtime. <laughs> Canada's business, that is. You make us proud. Merci encore, et merci à tous et à toutes d'être venus. Bon après-midi. Have a great afternoon, everyone. I'm not getting up here to talk about the lease, but Paul, you should know the last verse of taking care of business is I'd rather be fishing. So I know, I know business don't use that as their anthem, but thank you very much. <laughs> we could just keep going. <laughs> thank you, Paul. Thank you, Ambassador. And thank you once more to TD Bank Financial Group for making today possible. This concludes our television programming, which has been broadcast live on Rogers TV. We're grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian club events. Ladies and gentlemen, this meeting is now adjourned.